There we are, start again. Good morning and welcome to the second part of our talk show this morning, which is Anna Kalima's talk show. And we welcome Anna Kalima this morning to her program, because this is her program. It's named after her. And um, we, we are very extremely happy to have her back here on Blue Lotus Radio. Uh, she has been up in Johannesburg and she's been working on a number of other projects and uh, this is the first opportunity we've actually got and we welcome Anna Kalima back and uh, yeah so good morning Anna Kalima good morning beloved Ralph and thank you for having me back on your show it is very warm and good to be back here with you Okay, um, so can you, we just, I'm just checking the volumes here for you. It seems all okay. So wonderful, um, Anna Kalima. So we've got a, a very interesting topic for discussion this morning, which is to do with the throne. And uh, the throne being three in one. And it's so interesting that in the first part of our talk show this morning, we spoke <coughs> about the, the three fold aspect of um, of money and our money flows through the three realms and here you are bringing in um, to be integrated in Christ is to be integrated upon the three in one or the throne of life so this is quite a, a topic Anakalima can you uh, talk about it well we first have to look at two um options of understanding this beloved Ralph and one is we must understand what is the throne or the three in one in this particular instance I refer to man's threefold nature as we think we feel and we have a will we look at the Holy Spirit the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit is the divine triad of being and we look at the threefold flame in the center of the heart which is love, wisdom, and power. Now, the threefold flame is supposed to, in truth, integrate as one flame, but it is represented by three divine virtues or aspects of the being of Almighty God, love, wisdom, and power. Love being the pink plume, the wisdom, the yellow, and the power obviously representing blue or the blue ray, the blue will of God. In the fracture of mankind today, we have a situation where most people are a little bit disintegrated. Now this might be taken as a sort of hand over the mouth situation and it is not intended in any way to It's not intended in any way to undermine anybody. But what we need to understand is that if what a man says and what he does are two different things and the way he thinks is another, that means there is a disintegration on the threefold aspect of his nature. Often people say and do 
two things entirely. You hear the story where Fred never ever does what he says. Or you hear the other story is that whatever he says is one thing, but what he feels is entirely another. And so we have a situation where people are a little bit disintegrated because they cannot bring together the three aspects of their being, the threefold nature of their being. Society being pressurized to where it is today, most people have a certain level of non-harmony or I prefer to call it from an Ascended Master perspective, non-alignment. Instead of using the harsh, which unfortunately is a proper reality, word disintegration because to disintegrate means to pull apart quite literally that's what that means so a lot of people today are pulled apart in their own being a lot of people today are not functioning very well a lot of people i've been doing a lot of work in johannesburg with people a lot of counseling where individuals are feeling that they cannot bring together their thoughts and their feelings for example because they're thinking in one direction, but they're feeling in something entirely different. This speaks of a disintegration. This speaks of a breaking down of the throne, just as we have God who is almighty God on the throne of life. That throne of life is, in fact, the altar of the heart. The three-in-one is a throne. It is the altar of the divine heart, which is God within us. So we look at this word disintegration with compassion and not judgment and criticism. And we see that even in children, this disintegrating factor is very prevalent, especially from about the age of five, as early as five and sometimes three years of age and up, you can see that children are not integrated. They are, again, split in their ideals. And I say ideals because children are amongst the most idealistic of mankind. They have very high ideals, their dreams, etc., and so on, what they want to be and do. They must have these ideals. It's extremely important or they cannot build goals or dreams. But if a child is living in a dysfunctional family where you have a dysfunctional country and there's a lot that's going on around that points to dysfunction and disintegration, children are, are mirrors. They're little mirrors. They, they learn by as you yourself have taught and know. They learn by emulation. Children emulate. Children learn by observing. Jesus made it clear in his time in Galilee, you learn by observance. It's one thing to study and read, and then still in that you are observing your own understanding and therefore learning. So we really learn the deepest lessons by observation, how not to do something or how to do something. Children learn in the main until they can cognize in the teenage years, because cognition, unfortunately, um, there are a lot of erroneous nonsense out there that children think certain things and can cognize certain things they cannot. Until the child enters puberty, the child cannot properly cognize or correlate his thoughts. So how does he learn? He learns by emulation. He learns to observe and therefore mimic. Children mimic. It's the nature of the child to mimic. It's a very natural process just as nature herself mimics us and therefore we look at the bleakness of nature and see the bleakness of the mind of mankind. So we bring all this back into uh, line. We look at the fact that what is happening here is that the soul alignment of mankind is completely 
out. It's out of alignment. Can you imagine, Ralph, what would happen if the planets themselves and their patterns suddenly were to be out of alignment? We would have interstellar chaos, planets colliding into one another and so on and so forth. Yeah. If the train is not on the right signal on its track, it can run straight into another train that has not in time been told to switch the track and move the other direction. And just that switching of the track avoids a complete derailing of a train and probably the death of many people. And so again, that is to do with alignment, isn't it? Christ consciousness is the pure divine alignment of the mind of Almighty God. So if we want to be aligned with God, we have to move into the universal Christ consciousness that in that measure we are able through the process of many modalities that is meditation, um, dynamic decrees, prayer, living a, a fairly moral and balanced life all points to realigning putting into alignment and making congruent your threefold nature with the threefold nature of Almighty God. And that's what it's all about. So when you have a disintegration in Christ, there's no integrity. But Christ is always integrated. Christ is always balanced. Christ is always harmonized. So where do we go? We have the role model because even adults emulate. We all, it is part of our nature to observe and emulate. We observe meditation. We enjoy it so much we emulate it by practicing it. We want to meditate as well. We want to reach these states of a higher form of awareness. So again comes in emulation, be you child or adult. So it really um, behoves individuals to look at this with a more serious intent and realize that if you really want to follow divinity, observe the nature of God. Observe the teachings of Christ. Adopt them. Make them your own. And you will find the most marvelous system of integration. Or some people prefer to call it wholeness, Ralph. You feel whole when you're integrated. You obviously cannot feel whole if you are disintegrated. People have nervous breakdowns are disintegrated. They fall apart. What does, what does it really mean to say someone's fallen apart? It means that the natural divine golden triangle of your threefold nature has split. And you're not holding the components of your soul together. You are indeed. That is a wonderful um, introduction um, and it also talks about the fact that if uh, adults are not integrated then this unfortunately uh, through a mirror activity starts to reflect in our children and this is why such a very very complicated situation with education is taking place throughout the world but the majority of adults are, are struggling with their own personal psychology too. So th what a, a time we are living in, indeed a very difficult time for some. Yes, you know, the Ascendant Masters teach that your government, in retrospect, is a reflection of the sum total 
collective consciousness of a people. Now, people might take umbrage to this and where the various governments in the world are right now, but as a people, and I'm not talking globally, where have we been that we have fallen asleep and allowed a little group of individuals that have accrued through very devious means large amounts of money to think that they can take over the planetary body because that's what's really the core of the issue so you have little oligarchies that answer to a bigger one that are attempting to abort a system that is still needed as far as the collective consciousness which is called democracy they are attempting to abort a certain sense of republicanism. What is that? It means that the government is represented by the people of the collective whole. To represent the public means to be republic. That's what the word means. But there's no republicanism anywhere in the world at the moment. It's actually upside down. You have a small governmental source versus the large amount of people that in Connect in a country, take South Africa for example, you have approximately 59 um, billion people here. Alright, we have 59 million people here. Um, you cannot say that the entire people hold the collective value of the government, but the collective consciousness of a people may represent that government. So where are our people today? Where are a people in a country that is oppressed and suppressed? Where are they? They themselves have opted for suppression. They've opted for being oppressed and pushed down. Oppression comes from, and this kind of oppression comes from, as I'm busy with my biography at the moment and writing it down, one of the things I am discussing in that is that this luciferic term called the original sin has been brought particularly forward in the last 2000 years since Jesus Christ our Lord whereby it imparts an understanding that we are inferior we are incomplete we are not of God and what does that bring about Ralph it brings about racialism it brings about all kinds of racial xenophobia segregism all of them all these things that take place, um, genderism and so on, all the isms, all these godless licentious activities that take place on earth have stemmed from the root of not feeling worthy. Why do we not feel worthy? Because we've had the church since time immemorial. Most people can't even stretch back 10 years and people say, well, look at the last 2,000 years. That's a bit of an ambiguous statement, but let's look at the last 2,000 years and say the line of political, religious history has purported to one thing, to undermine the spirit of mankind, to undermine the integrity of the sons and daughters of Almighty God so that they feel worthless and are absolutely dependent upon an external source being the church 
as the mouthpiece of the Christ. The seat of the Pope is supposed to be the vicarage, the vicar of Christ. He's supposed to represent the Christ consciousness, to be the spokesman, therefore, thereof. But if that was truly the case over the last 2,000 years, why do people have no Christ consciousness? Why in the main, if you look at the collective whole of what, 8.5 billion people on the planet, if you look at that, I would reckon good 8 billion of them have no Christ conscious feelings that are naturally the wellspring of the soul. Most people think Christ is a myth. Most people think Buddha is a myth. Most people think anything that is of any soul virtue and worthy is a myth. But they rely heavily on what's printed in a machine, being the internet. Because someone had to program the internet. So in other words, no matter what you believe the internet says, somebody said it first before you. Someone gathered that data before you. Someone put the things together before you. Someone interpreted before you. Someone sold their interpretation at a very high price that you remain where you are. Completely non-aware of the fact that the seat of your Christ integrity has been removed from you. If you are integrated in Christ, if you feel integrated, if you feel whole, you feel worthy, it stands to reason. There is a worthiness. We're talking about a divine worthiness, not the worthiness that people rely so deeply on, on the ego, because it is quicksand and doesn't exist. The ego fluctuates every day and all day long. One day it's this, the next day it's that. There is nothing even and tempered in the ego. You always know when someone comes from ego because there's only quicksand where they are standing. You can't take them at fi face value because one day they'll love you and the next day they'll hate you. One day they'll lift you up and the next day they're removing you or firing you or something because you simply don't find approval in their judgment of you. Who does the judging? So we come back to the fact that the seat of Christ consciousness has been hijacked from mankind. It's been, never mind the idea of hijacking a monetary system at the moment on the planet. The monetary system is what? Supposed to be backed by gold. And gold is none other than crystallized sunlight. And therefore the sun represents the Son of God or Christ consciousness. So money should be the most highly moral system of exchange on a planetary body because it is backed by the Son of Christ, the Son of God. Oh, that is, that is so uh, thought-inspiring. And so that also, um, where does that put our judicial system? Because the values of policy and judicial systems should be in terms of that very same uh, balance to do with uh, the values and principles that emerge out of Christ. Ralph, the word government means God over man. Government means God over man. Now we long ago ditched God for mortal consciousness. So we have exactly that. The very story of the prophet Samuel is very akin to that. And the whole story around him is very akin to that.
whereby God eventually brought a despotic ruler in because they were no longer willing to hear the words of Samuel and the prophecy of Almighty God. Is that not so? Hmm. Right. Okay, so now if we look at that as one of the beginnings, which we go right back in time with, this is over 2,000 years ago, then this usurping of the government of God, the God over man, is archetyped by the fall and the decadency of Egypt and Ramses who captured the Israelites. Now the word Israel is very interesting. We speak of Israel in the terms of ascended consciousness and it means all that is real. It's not pertaining to a particular nation. It's pertaining to consciousness. So if the people of Israel, the people of all that is real, which is God consciousness, were led by the very great Egyptian initiate Moses out of Egypt through the desert, we are still in the main there in the desert with a Moses of some sort. And we still got Ramses after us, coming down with his Egyptian army to take us back into slavery. Is that not the archetype of the modern day? Because the world at the moment is under the whip of Pharaoh, is under the whip of the black magicians of Egypt. That's right. So yeah. now this disintegration of God government has been upon our planet for quite some time. Wherever civilizations have gone, there's been no God government. Where God rules, the government will remain. There are periods of history on earth going back in time and prior to this civilization, this last 14,000 years civilization since the fall of Atlantis, where there was God government, God ruling over man. And yet where did it fall? Because those particular points of civilization were taken over by fallen retrograde beings who had no discipline, no self-worth. They were disintegrated and we're only interested in the service of the ego. The disintegration of the threefold nature of man is the birth of the human ego. You can't have both, Ralph. You can't serve both God and mammon and think you can get away with it. Hmm. You can't have the ego, if you give me a moment, and Christ consciousness. It's oil and water. You can't. So we have a situation, some... 3,000 years down the line that has led to the point where we have the whip of Egypt over us again in their debt slavery and all other kinds of fashion slavery and the abortion of human life, just giving it away at nothing and the capturing and enslaving of our youth and other godless activities I have no desire to mention. And this is because why people are disintegrated. I have been counseling people for 35 years from every walk of life. I have counseled people all over this planetary body. In many countries, even as far as Saudi Arabia, I have had clients from Arabia come to me. Uh, I can tell you something now. I think after 35 years of experience in working with every kind of individual from movie stars 
to court judges, to the man who sweeps the street. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I've had a very vast spectrum of mankind and all cultures, all races. I've had the most incredible experience in counseling individuals all over the world. And the one thing that always stands out the most is that we all have one thing in common, our threefold nature. And when that goes, everything goes. Yeah, this is... This is uh, the crux of the matter, hey? So we really do live, live in a time where this disintegration is probably the worst it's ever been um, because also um, the governments of the world, the very, very few governments in the world that in any way represent God over men. Um, it's only now that... <coughs> certain governments like Russia and now in the military coup of Myanmar where they started to take apart the banking system and throw out these bankers out of their country. So we are only beginning to, to uh, bring in the Christ light back into government. You must also just understand one thing, Ralph, um, before you bring in some music that since the fall of Greece, since the great time of the Grecian Empire to where we are today, mankind has evolved, right? He has gone along, and what has happened since Greece is the individual monad has been born because mankind has come out of collective consciousness, whereas before you example, you'd have a whole village and you'd have the shaman or whoever was the ruler of the village and what he said went regardless of what anyone thought okay and anyone who stepped on the line was either thrown out the village or killed or something like that okay or imprisoned all right so now what has happened there is it's not a consensus of consciousness it's individual so the big issue here which we have over the globe is that you can't collectively contain people anymore okay they are trying to implement a system that belongs to a long long last system that was able to function when mankind was still embroiled and locked into collective consciousness since jesus christ has come whether people accept him or not regard him as a myth or not he didn't just come as a man he came as the descending of the logos itself the cosmic Christ consciousness, the Logos entering into his body, it is no different to what Jesus did than Gautama, who, when he enlightened under the Bodhi tree, what happened? The Dharma itself was lowered into the octave of human awareness. All the Dharma wheel was turned, and the two little deers appeared before him and bowed before him in the forest, which is why all Buddhists... Um, Symbols today have the Dharma wheel with two little deers in front of them, okay, because it was the symbol of acknowledging the deer, or as known in the West as the heart, it's also called the heart in the West, is a symbol actually of the heart. So it was the symbol of the overall nature of being, accepting the implementing and lowering into the physical octave of mankind's awareness the principle of Dharma or morality or integrity. Jesus brought the same message of morality and integrity. It incarnated with him. He was not just a man highly treasured 
or came from God. He was the Logos and still is. Mm. Since the integration of the Logos, listen to that word, since the integration of the Logos into the consciousness of mankind, he, that is, I use that representative um, for all of mankind and no difference in genders to men or women, but bear with me. Since the Christ entered the overall collective consciousness of mankind, mankind has been given the gift of individual freedom from collective consciousness. Therefore, what has happened subsequently since the fall of the Roman Catholic Church began 380 years after Jesus' ascension, what you have now is the fall of the individual. You can no longer just lasso a whole lot of people together and say, they do what you're told. And you're all responsible. One does this and the whole lot get it. Do you understand? The concept of one size fits all is communism. Communism is distinctly antichrist because it denies the individual. It denies the principle Jesus brought to set mankind free from collective consciousness that he may think into himself through the power of the Logos and reintegrate back to the heart of Almighty God. So you have hundreds and thousands and millions of disintegrated people right now. Yeah, it's horrifying when you consider that. Wow. Well, we are talking this morning here on Blue Lotus Radio with Anna Kalima and her talk is about integrated, to be integrated in Christ, is to be integrated upon the three-in-one or the throne of life. A very interesting topic indeed, and we thank Anna Kalima for being with us this morning. Let's just take a small break now, and we'll be back with you in a moment. Bright, source of all God's radiant light, always here within me, ever do I love thee. My devotion rises sure to your heart sublime and pure. Know my love adoring in this blissful sea. One of all to be my own, merging now in holy communion, one to be eternally my only goal and dream are you. Glowing bright, 
alchemy of fusion in our holy union. Ever will this sacred grace we've created bless this place. Know my love forever, dearest holy Oh, my apologies, we had a bit of a short break there, but we're back with you now, and um, we are having a wonderful uh, conversation here with Annika Lima uh, about the, the ego, and uh, she was saying that we should not have a sign up outside our house saying, beware the dog which is to say, beware <laughs> the strong ego, <laughs> because um, where there's a very strong ego, uh, that means um, there's a, a strong disintegration of uh, the personality involved. So that's <laughs> quite a thought. Uh, thank you so much for bringing these, this perspective this morning, Anna Kalima. Yes, it's, 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 a, it's what you call the... the the tragic comedy, isn't it? It's the tragic comedy because man needs to identify himself. Most people, tragically, are very determined they are individuals, but unless you are awakened in Christ, your individuality is still bound to the collective consciousness. Therefore, you will find yourself, when mass disturbances take place, running with the flock. You will find yourself running with others. Because you have not founded yourself and you have not grounded yourself in Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness is universal. It has nothing to do with religion. I must reiterate this, that religion was created by man. It has nothing to do with God. But God will found himself in a religious life. Because what does it mean to be religious about something? It means to be very devoted. That's really what it means is to be very, very devoted. Your passion that you are religious about, for example, um, maybe you are, for example, a surfer and you're a fantastic surfer on the waves. 
and you spend hours and hours surfing on those waves and you buy very special surfing boards which cost a great deal of money because those things are made of fiberglass and all sorts of other things they're not just a bit of plyboard they are very expensively crafted to carry the weight of a, a man or a woman and they're aerodynamically shaped as well so now you've got to look at that that they are religious about it the marathon runner or those who take part in the great olympia are very religious to whatever sport they represent so if we take the word religion and look at it from the point of view of devotion it's similar to the indian yoga of bhakti which is devotion of the heart so in a sense in the west religion is a form of bhakti is a form of devotion okay and if we're going to be devoted, please, God, let it be about the right thing. Because if you are devoted, what do you do? You pour your heart and soul into something, don't you? So if you're going to pour your heart and soul into the belief that you are an individual and you find that wherever you go and you fight for your individuality, everything starts crashing down around you. Why is that? Because the world you live in doesn't support your ideal. It does not support individuality. It supports codependence. It supports collective consciousness. It supports herd consciousness. It does not support the individual. You are not allowed to think. People who think often become murdered. People who think are often publicly assassinated. People who really have something to offer in life have become known as modern-day heroes. Why? Because they thought in Christ and therefore there was an integration in consciousness to a higher way, a, a better way, a moral way that is supported by the mind of God that can upraise humanity. You see. So if you get a group, if we go back in time and you get, say, a village of people, it could be somewhere, for example, in Europe or United Kingdom or something like that, and they were called tribes in those days. And there were some tribes, we all love these stories, don't we, that are, were well-meaning and they normally always had some kind of druid, priest or shaman or as, the, as part of their leaders that they went to. And they generally led a moral life. If we take Arthur of the Britons, beloved King Arthur, um, they were constantly facing the Normans coming down from Upper Scandinavia and sacking and looting and the whole nine yards because they were godless people in the main. They had no sacred understanding. They had not accepted the Christ principle at all and all they knew was to sack and loot and pillage and imprison and so on and so forth. Okay, so he had a tremendous battle. The whole battles of Arthur are arrayed around this kind of godlessness which Arthur representing the king at the time drew his sword from the stone and what was that sword all about the sword means the sacred word and as Almoria has often given it to me he said I drew the sword out of the stone what does it mean you draw your sword your sacred word out of the stubborn rock of the ego you have to extract, that's what Excalibur is, you have to extract your word, your sacred word, out of the stubborn rock, the density of mortal consciousness. You hold it up aloft, 
It is only the fallen mind that points the sword downward. All the archangels and all those on heavenward who bear swords hold them up, upright, or they point them at a certain specific point into the earth as mighty Astraea does. So the sword represents the sacred word and, and we are the word incarnate. In the beginning was the word. And God was with the word. And God made that word and so on and so on. What is that word? God himself is the word and we don't know his name. He comes across as this word almighty God. He's known in the ascended teachings as the nameless one. And it has been stated right out by the solar logos that why should he give his name to mankind? Because if you truly have the name of an individual, you have power over them. You have access to them. So all these little personality names we have are, if you like, pet names. They're not really who we are. But God did give us a part of his name, which is I am. I am that I am. And what is the common vernacular? It doesn't matter what language you speak. If we are in a group and we're doing some therapy and you go around the group and you say your name, your name, I am Mary, I am Jane, I am Fred. Who is this I am? Why not? Well, my name is Fred. My name is Mary. But most people say I am. And if you're going to do something, I am going to the bathroom. I am flying overseas. I am going to bed. I am not happy. I am happy. We are completely aligned with God. We are completely, inwardly, absolutely aligned with the name he has given us. Temporarily speaking, until we are ascended, then we get given that name, which is for another kind of discussion that is linked to your very soul and the key number of your soul. It will never, ever, ever in all creation be released into the physical octave, into the various planetary bodies where people are physically embodied, precisely because God is not stupid and won't be mocked by those who know very well that they can key into a soul individual by the power of their name. So let's jump a little bit and look at the name Christ. Christ means a universal consciousness. Christ is the mind of God. People say, what is the mind of God? The mind of God is Christ consciousness. But you cannot usurp that power. They murdered the body of Jesus Christ, but they didn't get very far, did they? Because he resurrected three days later. That was his demonstration was to resurrect three days later. You can slay this temple down, but my soul is immortal. What do you want from me? I am the Christ. I am the living Christ evermore. Now we have a choice. <clears throat> we can take a look at this concept if we want to articulate it to that level and, and make it an intellectual prize study. And we can say, what is Christ consciousness? I will tell you it is the mind of God. And if you want to know what the mind of God is, I'll send you packing. And I'll say to you, you, go and meditate on what you think God is in your heart. God doesn't need defense of his own being, and I don't need to defend God. He's much bigger than me. You go and meditate. You see. So you've got to come back to the understanding that in Christ consciousness, we have a chance through the power, the almighty, omnipotent omniscient power of God to reinstate our being individually because Christ will give us that stamp. This is what people fear the most. They say, you know, this whole business of taking the blood and the body of Christ, what is all this nonsense about? The Eucharist or the body and blood of Christ really represents consciousness in the spirit. The wine represents the spirit or the Holy Spirit of God in Christ. 
that Holy Spirit mingled with the body or wisdom is the cornucopia of Christ's consciousness. And when we receive it drop by immortal drop through the Eucharist, every time we have the blessing of the Eucharist, we are able in a moral leading life to translate our consciousness. We are able to change it just as alchemists like to change base metals into golds and crystals into diamonds, we change the base metallic note of the ego into the Christ light. It is the redemption, it is the philosopher's stone. Yes, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that perspective, Anakalima. We're here on Blue Lotus Radio, if you just uh, tuned in, this is Anna Kalima's talk, um, which used to always be on a Wednesday morning from about 9 o'clock, and uh, she's now back from Johannesburg, and so we're continuing with Anna Kalima's uh, talk show uh, from about 9 until about 12 um, on a Wednesday morning, and so... We are grateful to have Anna Kalima back with us and she's talking to us about integration and disintegration and the role of Christ in that spirit of integration. When you are, you'll always know, Ralph, when you are out of alignment because if there's any shred of morality in you, you will know that perhaps your actions do not line up with your emotions, with your feeling life, and your thinking is in another direction altogether. This is the beginning of dishonesty. Dishonesty is always the illegitimate child of disintegration, always, because there's no moral divine binding that states that we need to live our truth and truth is something that's very clear it's transparent it is open to all this is what truth is whether we like truth or not most people don't because it's naked it's transparent okay so when something's not transparent when you don't understand something you say someone has an agenda because it's not transparent all the governments of the world have an agenda at the moment it's not transparent what is going on there is a mass agenda going on on the planetary body at the moment there's no transparency anywhere and it will be reflected by the fact that people themselves are not transparent you can't only look at one side of the coin dear one you have to look at the collective consciousness of mankind on the whole and you have to see that most people are dishonest out there because they're not living their truth by whatever means they're not living their truth, we're not looking at it at the moment. People say, yes, but sometimes you have to do this and that. N- nevertheless, the fact is that dishonesty breeds the lie, and the lie breeds intrigue. And then treachery comes, and all sorts of things come from it. So one has to be very, very careful, because that means that you are morally broken down. When you cannot stand by the moral precepts of the law of your being, which is love, and love is divine truth. When you step out of alignment 
of the love of God, the love of the Christ consciousness, the love of your brethren, regardless of the color of their skin or where they live or what they wear or even their sentiments. You're stepping out of alignment of the law of your own being, which is love. People must be allowed to be. You see people out there who are not uh, very honest and dishonest and evil, quite frankly, will spawn all kinds of lie about how humanity is and where they've been and how minuscule mankind is. But I would point to you something that might seem to have nothing to do with this conversation, but it has everything to do with it. We live in the physical octave. We live in physical interstellar universe. There are hundreds and thousands of planetary bodies all over the physical universe with life upon it. If mankind believes for one very arrogant, blind moment this is the only planet with life on, then I give up. I, I just wash my hands and walk away. God is not that small. God has hundreds and thousands and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of his own children. The Father, Mother, God has brought forward. So if we're having a problem on one planet with freedom, can you imagine what all the other planets are going through at this point in time? Because there is a wave, there is an interstellar wave, there's a shock wave that has moved through interstellar space, through the fallen consciousness of mankind and the Nephilim, that has sought to contaminate intergalactic space, Okay, which is the womb of Omega. It is the birthing ground of the soul to come into the matter plane, to redeem the matter plane within the self, and to arise in Christ consciousness and ascend back. This is the mission of mankind. You asked for free will, therefore you have to enter the physical octaves. You have to incarnate. You have to go through the process of evolution where you redeem the earth within yourself. And through the process of your evolution and the integration of your consciousness in Christ, you rise above the means of the time and the situation, making it a better place for most people. And you enter into the fullness of that Christ consciousness and ascend And so many people are talking about ascension at the moment, uh, but not everybody uh, is fully aware uh, of the complexity involved with uh, resurrection and ascension processes, even that a planet has to go through and uh, that an individual has to go through. And yet this is that time where we have to enter that understanding. Ralph, there's a lot of tremendous misunderstanding. Um, the masters always speak of realms, realms of consciousness. Um, in the physical octave, they like to use the word dimension, um, dimensions of consciousness. There is a collective raising of humanity's consciousness and this particular collective raising has come now at a certain point of the divine equinox of the cosmic void. Now, that is not the same as the ascension processes. It is linked and aligned with it, but the ascension is a very individual process. You can't have 500,000 people all ascending at the same time. It means there's no individuality in them whatsoever. They're just a bunch of sheep can't have it. There are very few people who truly ascend 
because of the realm they have to enter into, because of the life they have to live. You can raise your consciousness by all means. That is the process of the Christ consciousness, is to raise mankind's awareness to live beyond his present means, that there's a better way of living. Christ Jesus made it very clear. He said man cannot live by bread alone. So we can't just live the material life. We've got to go beyond it. And most people are now aware of that. But that doesn't mean they're ascending. That means they're evolving very well and doing very well and moving into a higher plane of awareness. But it's still very much in the physical world. It's still very much part of the physical octaves or what is commonly known as intergalactic space or interstellar space if you want to put it from a so-called scientist point of view. But the actual ascension process is entirely the individual monad. Only the individual monad, when he fully realigns the four lower bodies and his threefold flame, is in direct alignment at the pivotal point of the pyramid of being. The pyramid of the four lower bodies comes right into the apex of the heart center. It sits right there like the divine Merkabah of immortality comes down and interpenetrates those she's into the divine star. Within the center of that six-pointed star is the threefold flame. That is where it geometrically, its geometrical divinity sits. And it can never be found in the physical octave. It is not a physical thing. It is entirely etheric. It is not an astral phenomenon. Christ is not a phenomenon. He is real. Anything and everything in the astral plane is phenomenon. It has no permanent reality. That's what phenomena means. It has no permanent reality. It will change. Jesus said, I am the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Meaning, I am the Christ. I do not change. I am the living word. Yet I move on. Yet I transcend because God transcends himself. And all ascendant beings in the angelic kingdoms transcend themselves. You don't just ascend and then rub your hands together and sit back and say, well, I've arrived. There's no such thing, nowhere in cosmos. You work even harder. But you are not bound to death. You're not bound to illness. You're not subject to hatred and all kinds of activities that take place when mankind disintegrates in his consciousness because Christ is the integrated whole of God. The individual must ascend on his own, her own accord. There's no such thing as collective ascension. It is an absolute illusion. It is a lie. Because if it were so, it denies once again the Christ principle. Collective ascension denies Christ once again. It is mm. a very modern, sophisticated form of denial. You're all the same, you can all ascend. So, so then if we're all the same and we can all ascend all together in one happy little flock like a bunch of birds, why should we strive, Ralph? Why should we strive for anything? Why should we be initiated? Why should we struggle to rise into a deeper sense of morality? Why should we ever try to improve ourselves? You tend to herd a sheep, they're happy with their little patch of grass. The principle of Christ is, no, you can't just sit and munch grass for eternity. You're an individual, and I will endorse your individuality through the consciousness of Almighty God, which is called Christ. But you have to work for that. And history of mankind is strewn with the very cathartic stories of how souls who have striven for it have been 
like Jesus, beaten to a pulp, invariably murdered, locked up, imprisoned, spawned, and all sorts of things have happened to them. They're called the saints of the world. And to this very day we have that pressure of the genuine light bearers who are moving in Christ consciousness, who are regarded as misinformants. They are regarded as obstruction in where mankind is going today. Because they think in Christ. I tell you, what you're talking about is now a very, very important concept. Because I've, I hear so much uh, talk about the ascension and the fifth dimension and the earth is ascending. But um, that does not touch on what you have just brought us, that it is the individual and the work of the individual and the striving of the individual that leads to the uh, ascension. We are talking here with beloved Anakalima and we're talking about integration, um, yeah, uh, separation, and now we're talking about a most important understanding of uh, ascension which is not a natural process. We'll be back with this particular current topic in just a moment. Hey! 
You're listening to Blue Lotus Radio, and we are listening to uh, the Anakalima Talk Show, and we are talking about a very, very fascinating concept. And nowadays, everybody is talking about the ascension and the uh, transition from 4D to 5D, and uh, what is involved with this uh, ascension. Many different people are using the word ascension today as a natural process. And here, Anakalima is talking to us about the fact that it's an individual process and that he is involved in the striving and amazing and ardent striving of the religious monad of the individual. And uh, uh, the ascension is something that one has to strive for and it's not just a natural process. As I said, um, beloved Ralph, and to our listeners, this understanding is something that is gained by one's own upward climb towards what we call Maitreya's mountain or the the, the, the mountain of attainment of the cosmic Christ consciousness of um, Maitreya himself. People pride themselves, as I say, of being individuals and yet they are tested time and time again and find themselves caught up in collective demand. You know, they've got an I want, she's got an I want. That's already a process where your individuality comes into question when you're constantly yearning for what other people have and so on and so forth. Um, there are people out there who like that. They want to keep up with the Joneses. They, they want to have everything that opens and shuts and they bind themselves to material life. And then they think that because they have, as it were, their own home, the concept of having my own home means I'm an individual is absolutely not a thing. You know, when I ran my business in a particular way when I was um, in Johannesburg a number of years ago, I remember having a discussion with several individuals who were quite high up in the South African courts who came to see me privately. And one thing this particular man who was a Supreme Court judge stated was this understanding of when disaster happens, where are you left? So now a, a great big tsunami comes and that's the end of your house and you are left standing outside the house literally in the jocks, literally in what you're wearing and you've got nothing left. The car has been wiped out, everything has gone. Um, but you do have one mar marvelous thing, you have your life, you see. And people will obviously be struck by the devastation of what they can do to one's lifestyle. But is that really the end of your life? as people feel that's the end of their life. So then where was their individuality? If they were individually bound in Christ, why do some people commit suicide? Why do some people completely fall apart and become chronically mentally ill or end up with a various cancer of some kind or another because they can't go? Because the foundation of thinking was not in Christ. And the foundation of Christ is love, universal love. 
Have you noticed that mankind is always at his best when he's at his worst? People just rush around helping others they would never normally do under any other circumstances. Then when everything is corrected, suddenly they're back to where they were before. Oh, I don't know what happened then. You know, I just had to help everyone. Well, the I don't know what happened then was that Christ stepped in to help his sheep. You see, and to pick them up off the road, literally. So we have to come back to it and we have to say Christ is inborn. Christ is there within you. You don't have to look for Christ, but you must find him within you. And therefore, if you do find him, you have to work very hard to sustain it. A doctor can't just become a doctor because he's keen on, on the medical side of life. He has to study for up to nine years. He has to have an internship. And even then, it's it's a good another five, six, seven years before he's really fully considered a doctor of worth. So is not it the most prized jewel of all your individuality worth the highest diploma on earth? The highest, highest university degree is the universal church of Christ consciousness, which then gives you the divine doctorate to be an individual. You can't just be an individual realm. You have to forge individuality out of the rock, the stubborn rock of mortal density, the stubborn, crude rock of human nature. Hence, we are always described similarly to a clump of coal, which eventually, over millennium, becomes the diamond. But you still have to dig the diamond out of the coal, all the bracken, all the black stuff, all the carbon of human thinking, which is nothing but carbon and dust, Hence, when you cremate the human body, what do you have? A handful of dust left? Where's the soul? Where's the big fat ego then? Where is the I have then? My house, my car, my aeroplane, my everything. I've got five million in the bank. Where's that? It's gone. Whoosh! Disappeared. And that soul, what happened to him? Well, you see, well, there's such a thing called the law of karma. And then he finds himself incarnating into the middle of Argentina, on the rough side of Argentina. He's going to live a very, very low-key life amongst Hispanic people who struggle. Just as the folk of Africa struggle for a loaf of bread on the table, they are very similar in South America, very similar. I've been to Argentina, I know what I'm speaking about. Do you, do you see what I'm saying to you there? So the essence, however, in any nation, no matter the poorly side, so-called, the poor that are designed to be poor side of any nation, you'll find usually there, there, you'll find this, the Christ at once. Jesus was notably more comfortable eating with beggars. He preferred to sit on the side of the road than get invited to all these fancy tabernacle dinners and so on and so forth being the Rebbenai he was yeah that is um, that's uh, quite a thought um, that he, the man in the street who is suffering uh, he understands what humility is yes. and that humility brings him close to the Christ and uh, therefore, he's individualizing, he's individuating, and therefore, he's working towards his ascension. 
Haven't you heard that wonderful saying, he is self-made? Now there's a self-made man. There's a self-made woman. What does that really purport to? It means there's an individual in the making. Because they have, as Sanat Kumara called us, come apart and be a separate and chosen people. Why did Sanat Kumara, or as he is known in the Bible as Yahweh, why did he call us to come apart from the Egyptians or the materialists of the world? Because you will never ever find individuality in materialism because it's precious and materialism is dead matter. No matter how much you fancy the home and all that's in it, it's all dead matter. It's nothing. When you die, it's gone from your life forever. And nine times out of ten people who are very wealthy always end up where someone else gets the wealth and they reincarnate somewhere else and have another life somewhere else where someone's living in the wealth they spent their entire life working for and having. I mean, don't you think that's a bit obscure? Well, you see, there's a greater principle than that. And the principle is that we plant the seed in the ground that grows the mighty oak tree we will never sit under. That is the work of the Christ is to create the shelter of consciousness in Christ that you yourself as the growing monad or individual may not necessarily enjoy in your particular lifetime if you're fortunate enough to, to win through the victory, your ascension, the mighty victory of your ascension. No, the ascension is an individualistic process. Christ was an individual. He was not a common press. He was not a cut-out cardboard Jesus standing on the side of the road. He was an individual. He was in what we call, the masters call, individed in God. Divided from God we are not. Individed we are. It is the same principle as the oak tree. And most people don't realize that there's not a single leaf on an oak tree that's the same as the other leaf. They're all different. Not one of them are the same. Just as not one of us has the same thumbprint. But the tree is the same. We all come from that tree of life, which is God Almighty, you see. So the individualistic process is God says to you, you want to become an oak tree like me. This is the process. Have you seen how long it takes to forge an oak tree? To get it to really grow, to become what it, what it is so revered to be. And how long does the oak tree stand for? How long does it survive? It doesn't mean when you enter Christ consciousness that you're greater than anyone else. To the contrary, you must live a very humble and lowly life. And most Christ-orientated individuals suffer immensely because God cannot allow us on the initiatic path of Christ consciousness to be distracted by materialism. We have to get away, and I hope my listeners will not impound on me too deeply when I say this, but we have to get away from the crow consciousness. Crows love things that sparkle and twinkle. They want to snatch them up <laughs> off the ground and off your neck and wherever because it's all glittery and sweet. As one of the great lady ascended masters said, the goddess of light, <coughs> all that glitters is not gold, and fool's gold or iron pyrites is not gold. You see, and the gold of Christ consciousness is not the frozen sunlight of the golden bullions that these so-called individuals, if they actually imagine they are that, have helped themselves to all over the planetary body. They can take as much gold as they like, but the one gold they can't take is the consciousness of the Christ from you. Only you, the individual, can surrender that Christ consciousness. Only you can give it away. 
If you are fortunate enough to be on the path of forging your Christ consciousness, only you can give it away. It cannot really be taken from you. You can give it away. You can fall asleep, and that's one way of giving it away. You can go back to sleep in the deadened lull of the material life. The life of the very great Padre Pio, who has recently ascended in these last 70 years, was exactly that. His life was absolute living hell because he bore the five, in fact it was six, but the five stigmata of Christ. And he had the visions and the apostolic visions of Christ, which the Catholic Church did not welcome because he was showing a new way, he was showing a new understanding. And he suffered immensely. He suffered a very, very difficult life where by his own he was constantly scorched and undermined in every breath he took. So when we walk the path of Christ consciousness, we must expect to be undermined. We must expect to be pushed aside. We must expect to be scoffed at. Those people don't, unfortunately, in the main, want to wake up. They don't want to do the work because the work is hard. It's very hard, Ralph. To learn, it sounds very grand, this, this statement of abstaining. The path of the monastic is of, or mastic, or is of um, abstainence. But true abstainers is inward. You can still live in the world. You can still have your home. All things in moderation, says the Christ. You can still have these things. But inwardly, you need to abstain. And how do you abstain? You integrate in Christ. That's how you abstain. You integrate in Christ. You bring the essence of your threefold nature together in the mighty flame it truly is, burning unfed, by the way, on the altar of your heart. Let anyone imagine they burn their own heart flame, and that is absolute delusion. We have no say over the heart, physical or the inner heart. We have no say on whether we breathe or not. The body breathes for you. You do not move your blood around your own veins. You do not beat your heart. You do not make it possible for you to open your eyes and look and see a new day. All this is done for you. Isn't that an, just an amazing little miracle? Yes, I have a certain sense of sarcasm in my voice, but I tire of a lot of people who forget these things. The great master, the great Mahatma Kuthumi says that people do tend to take so much for granted in life. So much for granted. And then they wonder why, when life comes knocking on the door, when the great bull collector comes called karma, they fall apart and can't cope because they haven't lived a very honest life within the self. It's all very good to be loving and kind to everyone around you, but if you are not living that loving kindness within yourself, what is it for? Because a relationship is primary. To have a proper relationship with any individual on this planet, you've got to have one with yourself. But most people don't even know who they are or what they are. So how can they? How can you have a relationship with yourself when you don't know where you come from and where you're going? You don't know for sure you reincarnate. I'm, I'm not sure about that. And you ask people these questions and they go, well, I don't really know and I'm not sure. And Oh, no, I don't believe in that. Oh, but I'm an individual. I mean, it's a little bit upside down. You can't be an individual unless you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then you know. You know you've embodied before. You know you've had embodiments, some that may not be so good. Why do you know that? Because in this life you've picked up a lot of stuff. You've had to deal with individuals you don't care for. 
you had to pay off karmic debts in short marriages or short relationships or chaotic business relationships or very difficult relationships with children. This is all karma where we've rubbed people up the wrong way in other lifetimes. That is the absolute proof that you reincarnate. Why is it that some people are born blind and some are perfect? Why are some born into the palsy and some are born perfect? Why do some get born normally and then seven years later something happens and lo and behold they are now paraplegic for the rest of their life? What is all that about? Why is it that suddenly at three years of old age the little one gets cancer? You don't get cancer. You are cancer. You become cancerous in your nature. And it takes lifetimes for cancer to manifest. People don't get cancer. They are the cancer. Because you manifest the cancerous thoughts in your mind that incarnate or manifest in the various parts of the body, be it in, in, in the waters and the blood or the bones or the muscle or tissue, whatever the case may be. It is all representative of a certain aspect of your thinking and your approach to life. I hope this is not too much for some people to swallow, but that is the bottom end of the line. That is where it is. At the end of the line, it comes back to what I opened this conversation with. We have to integrate with Christ. And you will say, well, how will I know I've integrated with Christ? By the very fact you ask me means you have to. Because if you are integrated with Christ, you won't need to ask that question, will you? You won't need to ask it because you will know that Christ is the supreme Lord of your consciousness. You won't have to and you will find that peace. Even if Christ himself sends you the most troubling experiences to go through so that he can test you and purify you, you will win through them all no matter how difficult they are. And he will test you. Oh, don't think that entering into Christ's consciousness is plain sailing. It is the most difficult path to walk in cosmos. Because the Lord, God Almighty himself, loves to play hide and seek with his children. And so do the masters, by the way. And the great guru-chila relationship is always bound up with the guru, testing the poor chila to the very limit of their being. Like the story of the great Milarapa, who was told to build a house and tear it down seven times before the guru finally accepted the house he finally built. What house was he really building? And you know Milarapa ascended. What house was he really teaching him to build? Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you, Anna Kalima. We are here busy on Blue Lotus Radio, uh, on the Anna Kalima talk show, and we are hearing really wonderful gems, spiritual gems from Anna Kalima. And I think that was quite a spiritual gem that was taken in there. So let us have another quick uh, break. Because sometimes we have to digest some of these things because they are truly profound. Love and love alone. 
time here on Blue Lotus Radio this morning with uh, Anna Kalima and, and uh, she's talking about profound mysteries, really profound mysteries that are directly connected to the Christ and the integration of Christ and uh, the ascension, which is one of the highest mysteries uh, that are actually uh, being portrayed in many different ways. The mankind is uh, given an opportunity but people don't understand they just use the word ascension and beloved Anakalima this morning is really bringing us into the deeper essentials to grasp what the ascension is it's forged and won uh, beloved and what most people don't understand as well is the ascension doesn't come in one life just as you can't get cancer in one life. It takes several lifetimes of living a particular lifestyle habit in your consciousness that eventually manifests as a cancer of some kind or another. Well, in its direct polarity, ironically, is the Christ consciousness because cancer is to do with separation. If you understand the nature of the cancer cell, it's very healthy. So what then is cancer? Well, it becomes rebellious. The cancer cells subdivide. They separate and they subdivide and subdivide and subdivide. So you get growths and you get all kinds of um, tumors and, and so on and so forth. And it's quite a grisly affair. Whereas in the Christ consciousness, when you enter into the Christ consciousness, you are pulled together in the whole. So that wasn't heard at all. No, I think um, we're back alive right now, and um, we just momentarily got thrown off there, and so most of what you were saying was actually did come through to our audience. So we apologise for the second time today we were thrown off, but this uh, adds character to our broadcast. <laughs> Because 
when we are thrown off, it's a backhanded compliment. So, continue. Yeah, um, <laughs> the, the ascension process takes several lifetimes. You have to be moving in the trajectory of your evolution, which is never a straight line, by the way. People think that evolution and one's embodiments is some sort of linear concept of a straight line. It's actually in the form of a sine wave, and the sine wave eventually moves into one single point at the moment of the ascension, and the sine wave is a sort of zigzag type of um, movement, which is not as sharp as the, the word denotes, but the sine wave eventually in your evolution takes you to the point of your ascension. You have to be Christ-orientated for quite a while in your various embodiments, striving for the better not only of the self but of uh, mankind. So really, in a sense, what is that purporting to? It is actually saying that you move away from selfishness and the tendency to only serve the self, which is ego consciousness, all right? And you start to move out of the centrifugal point of your awareness and you are only concerned for the better of the whole and others, making life better for other individuals. The whole principle of service is supposed to be that, but the ego inverts that into self-service, where so many only serve the self today and self-ideals, which have nothing to do with assisting and being my brother's keeper. So that's quite a, a thing to have a look at that. People don't just ascend in one life. You've got to be working for it severally in several lifetimes. And then what happens is when you are considered worthy by Almighty God and the great initiators, you will be contacted. You will find the Christ stem of the divine stalk of immortal consciousness. You will find it. And you will find that upon that stalk, it actually becomes a sine wave with many beautiful flowers or flames of consciousness that come your way. The book jumps out of you in the bookshop and so on. You meet people for a specific reason. And then you are brought into congruency with the great I am that I am. And then the great ascended masters of the great white brother will contact you. They will. They will contact you in whatever way is going to stand out for you. They will contact you and you will come into the full alignment with these teachings. And I must again reiterate, as I've done in other interviews you've given me, Ralph, thank you, that the Great White Brotherhood is not the same as that body of people who represent themselves as the Galactic Federation. The members of the Galactic Federation are still in embodiment they are and live and come from very different realms and different universes. It doesn't negate who they are. I'm not negating them at all. I'm simply saying to you, they are not ascended. And their consciousness is not rarefied and purified in Christ. Christ is universal. That means throughout the entire space continuum, as above, so below. In celestial universes and all the matter plane, the physical universes and multiverses and so on and so forth. And as much as some of these beings are very well advanced to us in the material level, are they really that advanced if they're going to come and bring a teaching that once again delays Christ consciousness because the ascension cannot ever be collective? 
I must remain very firm on this. And why do I have some supposed authority on my affirmation? I have stood in front of Christ himself as I have revealed to you when I was a young woman. I have had the appearance of Jesus Christ himself to me right before my very eyes. I have looked into the living eyes of the living Christ, yes, the living Jesus himself. And when you look into the eyes of the living Jesus, when he is standing tangibly right in front of you, you can never be the same again. You are translated. Your consciousness is completely translated into Christ consciousness. I walk in his name. I speak of him and the flame that he truly is, which is immortal. It's not mortal. It's not open to human compromise. It's not open to speculation. It's not open to human judgment and criticism. It is what it is. Yeah. That's um, very important what you're saying there. Skaraktiki Federation... Many people follow them, and there's many things and many truths that they, they bring, but um, I have yet to see a document or an article by the Galactic Federation that speak about uh, the intimacy of, and the striving of the initiation through the individual spirit of the I Am. And they don't refer at all to the Great White Brotherhood. And this has always been very disturbing for me. So thank you for bringing that perspective. It's, it's interesting to note that I have found in a lot of the teachings that are brought forth from various uh, particular beings of this federation that appear to be quite high up. Maybe, of course, some of these beings live in bodies that last very much longer than the human body lasts. Some of them can live for several hundred years in comparison to where we live, and so on and so forth. And have huge technological advancements that make life very, very much easier, and have to some extent overcome certain baser elements of the human nature or the the, the nature of mankind, but at the end of the day, the true principle of the light is the Christ consciousness. There's only one power in all of creation, Ralph, and that is Almighty God. And even they know that. They know and do speak of the great central sun very often because they know it is the hub of the void of cosmos. It is the hub of cosmic void. And within the great central sun is the heart force of the great Logos himself, the great cosmic Christ consciousness of Almighty God in Helios and Vesta. When you work into the highest spiritual ethics of divine scientific spirituality, it leaves no stone unturned. There are no ifs, buts, maybes and half measures. It is or it isn't. It's as simple as that. It is or it isn't. And when you enter into that light and that life, people don't like it because Christ consciousness is extremely intimate. It is extremely, it's more intimate than a lover because the lover can only reach the physical proximity of your being and to some extent the heart. But the Christ penetrates right into the very center of your soul. 
Now, a lot of things that are given out there, and another one of these mysterious things that come about with people is that people are very fond of their thoughts. People don't understand there's no such thing as privacy. There's no such thing as privacy. There's only two minds, Ralph. One doesn't really exist and the other does. One is the Christ consciousness and the other is the astral planes or the mortal consciousness of mankind. People are under the delusion that their thoughts are private. They're not. You can read them. You can read them in the human aura very easily. The Ascended Masters can read the trace of every single thought we ever have. Now, if people shirk from that and say, oh, no, I don't like that. that. Why? Why don't you like that? What have you got to hide? What is it in your thoughts that are so circumspect you must hide them from everyone? What do you prize in your thoughts above all other people? You know, this comes back to the integration story. If we are really integral in our nature, we've got nothing to hide. That doesn't mean that you do not seek privacy in some realms of your life. The Christ is discreet. The Christ consciousness is discreet. I am constantly in communication with the Great White Brotherhood. They are constantly in telepath communication with me. But I have never once felt violated. I have never once felt compromised. But I might be doing something or maybe in the bath or whatever the story may be. And now there is this great ascended being communicating with me. It doesn't work that way. The discretion of Christ is very great, very beautiful, very perfect and very sacred. Because he respects Christ, the law of your being. Nothing, nothing in Christ consciousness is hidden. It is completely transparent and revealed. This is why people don't like the overall process of the ascension because it is so intimate. It reveals every tiny little corner of the soul. It opens up and overturns every tiny little soul. It removes every single tiny little skeleton out from the cupboard or under the bed or whatever the process may be. It empties out completely until you are left with a shining crystal chalice which is um, symbolically referred to as the grail which is the heart. Now, the grail consciousness is transparent. It's crystalline. You can't hide anything in there. The only thing that can go in that chalice is the spirit of Christ or the wine of Christ, which we drink. We drink the spirit. Jesus said, drink me while I am drinking thee. We drink the spirit. It is symbolically the intimacy that you can interface with Christ to the deepest, deepest level of your soul. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. You have nothing to hide. There's nothing to cover. Let me tell you something, that the nakedness of the human body is ridiculous by comparison to the nakedness of the soul. If you can understand what I'm saying. We all worry about, you know, having a certain um, bodily integrity, which is very important. We're not all going to rush around naked, all right? But the human body is what it is. Men and women have the same bodies. So what is it we're really hiding? We're hiding something much deeper, much, much deeper that goes beyond any physicality, you see. And the Christ consciousness does not permit the loft. And the loft being that we have these things we store away in the back of our mind, it empties the loft out. Why? Why is this constant need for such pure crystalline clarity? Because the light is crystalline, it is pure. Because the mind of God is pure. And nothing else, nothing else can go near it. 
Therefore, God being God, we always know that God is pure. Therefore, God has no hidden agenda. The Christed One has no hidden agenda. What does a hidden agenda come from? The loss of your integral nature. People often find that they hide things because they are shy or embarrassed. But if we dig deeper into these wounds, where does the shame come from? What karmic experience, what situation, and eventually what happens? Because we've been taught, remember what I said a while ago, that the whole move since the ascension of Christ was to cause the disintegration of Christ consciousness in mankind because there was something to hide. I mean, anyone who's any kind of Gnostic um, journeyer as I am if I might call it that way if you journey into the Gnostic teachings if you journey into the deep esoteric um, occult teachings of Christ you will find that the Council of Nicaea 380 AD removed the book of Enoch removed the book of Thomas removed the book of Magdalena and Mary removed the teachings of common reincarnation that Christ gave We've got one-third of the entire Bible available to us today. Why did they remove all their teachings? So that we don't know? Because if you don't know, it's pretty good to fill you with more stuff you don't know. Until eventually you're so overwhelmed with so much I don't know, you don't know what to do with it. And the nature of the human psychology is that we do not penetrate deep enough. We are not prepared to love enough, to penetrate deep enough and say, this is not good enough for me. I need to know more. The minute any soul does that, Christ will take notice of him. I'm not accepting this. There's a deeper value to this in life than this and this and this. I will walk this path. I will not walk that path. I will walk my truth. This is the beginning of your own sainthood. Because it takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts to do that today. Because we are scorned. Because we are made out to be what we are not. The true heresy, the true heresy of today is the denier of Christ himself. The true heretics of today, because that word has been turned around and abused by religion for a very long time. And the truth of heresy is that we deny Christ in one another. That is heretic. Jesus put it this way to people like that. He said, you are like dogs that guard the temple. You do not go in yourselves, but you don't let anyone else in either. And that's what these people do when they sit and hold on to the Christ truths in various so-called orthodox bodies around the world. And we know of the particular one we speak of, of course, is the Vatican. Oh, it's so interesting that they've now gone into the vaults of the Vatican. Not only have they found lots of gold there, but they've found all these old books that uh, have been removed. And even a very old Quran, the original Ismaili Quran, and it's apparently worth a fortune. And uh, the... Uh, uh, Abu Dhabi and the Arab Emirates 
Ah, negotiating to buy the original Ismaili writings. Why, Ralph? Because the jihad that Muhammad taught was internal, not external. The jihad is to slay the lesser self, to slay the ego. does not give you the right to remove the life of another individual outside of your own being. That is why. So I wonder if how many other books are going to appear. This is such an interesting time we live in. And so much is uh, coming to the fore in this uh, karmic cycle of the Armageddon. Well, on that note, let's take another break quickly. And um, we will be back with you in a moment. Yeah, on Blue Lotus Radio. back here at the Blue Lotus Radio and this morning we are talking to Anna Kalima on the Anna Kalima talk show and we are very appreciative of having her back. Uh, she has not uh, been on her own talk show for a while and today she has arrived back and talking very, very pertinent truths indeed. You know, the thing that I found in my lo own uh, life experience is that your consciousness becomes your conscience. <coughs> and your conscience is there to remind you of whether you are out of alignment or not from Christ integrality. So we have to ask ourselves, what is that feeling, that feeling when you are uncomfortable 
is something you've either done or said. That's your conscience. What is that feeling that moves up underneath your skin almost where you don't sleep at night anymore? Where suddenly you can't face such and such a person or a situation and so on. And if we ignore those feelings, what happens? Huge problems begin to rise, don't they? And eventually, even if the person says about a particular individual, they go away. And they might write you off and forgive you anyway because they don't want to be burdened with it and they go on their way. But if you haven't forgiven the situation, if you're still smoldering and burning inside over it, what does that eventually become? Cancer. Because it's non-forgiveness. We live in a cancerous society, Ralph. The whole world is suffering from a form of mental, emotional cancer at the moment because the mandate globally of social distancing is social cancer. It's a form of cancer because it is distinctly antichrist. Because we are one unto another. Ironically, it's an absolute joke. Because if you truly understood the nature of the human aura and the collective whole of mankind as we are all one, it is scientifically impossible to socially distance. The human aura extends nine feet in front of your body, behind, on either side, above and below. How can you socially distance? So what are you actually socially distancing from? Emotional integrity? My brother's keeper? People are very fond of this social distancing. First they were shocked and now they're very upset when I walk in the streets. It becomes quite a stigma. There's a stigma con upon mankind at the moment. But then again it always has been. So now it's manifested as a social cancer. In the collective consciousness of mankind, there is the cancer of separation. Just as the masking is also a form, a different form of cancer, because Jesus made it very clear. He said, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defileth him, it's what comes out of his mouth. So I think, you know, we've said enough over the last couple of hundred years to make it very clear that we're not taking responsibility for our emotions and feelings and thoughts. We're not being responsible for what we put out into the world. We're too quick to blame other people. We're too quick to point the finger and condemn. So condemnation becomes the tyrannistical ruler of the planet right now. That's what we're dealing with, is tyrannical law. So who's ruling? It's the ego. God is not there. <coughs> The ego is there. So you are dealing with the fact that you've now been silenced. Because what comes out of the mouth of the average person is quite frightening. Because people are not consequential with speech. And when you speak to some people, I have always found in my experience, oh, I didn't know that is the classic excuse. Now, I'm sorry, ignorance is a choice. It means to ignore. You did know. You did know. You are not so morally dysfunctional that you didn't know. You did know. You just simply chose to ignore and you didn't care. So at the end of the day, we have a situation where we can no longer speak or have our say and we're separated from one another because the disease of the human mind is manifested. What is it that we're always told when we're in situations that are so discouraging 
and we never allowed to have our say and we're told to be quiet. I'm not interested in anything you have to say. Be quiet. What is that? That's a masking, isn't it? So now we're masked, aren't we, by our own efforts because we were not interested in what anyone else had to say in other lifetimes. We had to have our own say regardless of anyone else and how they thought. So now we are masked socially because we cannot take responsibility to talk to each other decently and to offer love and Christ consciousness. So now we deal with the fact that we are masked and we are forced to separate. It's a temporal, thank God, disease. It won't last. The true virus is the separation and the mask. That is the virus. It's the virus of the human mind. And it will last as long as it's necessary to last until people get fed up enough, angry enough inside and realize what the moral consequences of this is. It's not just a set of tyrannical laws put down on mankind. It is the manifestation and incarnation of collective consciousness. The forcing of a vaccine is the same principle. You are forcing one modality on all. One size fits all. Since when does Christ work like that? The ascension is individual. In other words, you cannot have collective ascension. One size does not fit all. Then where is the individual? Where is the individual? So we are living in the most classic times of all, where unfortunately there are those of us as the avant-garde, there are those of us as the light bearers of the world who are awakening and if not awake, must be also, as Gautama Buddha says very classically in his dictations and his teachings, beloved, when you incarnate, you are subject to the matter plane. What does that timely piece of advice mean? It means that you are subject to what everyone else goes through. You will experience it yourself unless you're prepared to integrate in Christ. And then still you will be subject to it. Until the very last breath you take, there will be some level of that subjectivity that will affect your life, your living circumstance. Therefore we have the teachings of Gautama Buddha which says tolerance and compassion. You must tolerate people's differences. If the French do something one way, the Italians are going to do it the other way, as an example. And they've got to learn to tolerate each other. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but the way the Italians will fry their chips is not the way that the French fry them. Do you understand? Yeah. We have to tolerate that because neither are wrong. The French do what they do. The Danes do what they do. doesn't mean they're both wrong. No, they are different. They must be tolerated. But the Christ consciousness is one that we all belong to because there's only one God and one integral body of overall universal Christ consciousness of which we all belong to. Yeah. That's beautifully said and beautifully put into context indeed. So, thank you so much, Ana Kalima, for bringing these perspectives to us here this morning. And we're coming almost to the end of our two hour session. There's still some time, and um, 
we can consider how we're going to finish this off this presentation but uh, right now we'll just take a short break <clears throat> listening to Blue Lotus Radio and um, this is an Akalima's talk show every Wednesday morning when she is not on a, a, a project or a mission somewhere then she would be talking to us here on Blue Lotus Radio and this morning she has brought us some many 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 pertinent thoughts about the ascension, individuation, and the intimacy um, of uh, Christ within the human soul. So, Anak Lima, how would you like to bring this morning session to some kind of finality? You know, the subject of morality is always looked upon with a raised eyebrow because it's subject, again, to so much um, conceptualization. Same as the statement of the great Greek philosophers, what is truth? So we have to 
summarize and look into ourselves and say, what is our truth? If I was in a national disaster where my home is removed from me by forces of nature and I am literally left standing in the clothes I wear with a few scant belongings, where will I be in my consciousness when the foundation of my home life has been removed from me? Jesus put it this way that we build our life and our castle upon the rock, not the beach, not the quicksands of the changing tides of human consciousness. So what was he referring to was certainly not a physical domain, not a physical, in the way we understand physicality, building. He put it another way when he was in Galilee, when he threw the money changers out of the temple. What are the money changers today, your banking cartels? He threw them then out of the temple because they were operating in the temple. What's the archetype? They were bartering the light of Christ within the very temple itself. Selling off Christianity, selling off God's favor, I suppose one could put it that way. And he came and upturned all their tables and turned them out of the temple. And they got very cross with him and spoke of the fact that he was destroying the temple. And then he gave them this the, the speech where he spoke of tearing down the temple and rebuilding it in three days. He said, I will tear this temple down and rebuild it in three days. And they all scoffed. Oh, 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 here's this temple that's been here probably for a couple of hundred years and this guy says he's going to rebuild it in three days. But he spoke not of the physical temple or the brick and mortar or whatever they used in those days. He spoke of his own crucifixion. He spoke of the crucifying of the ego, ego nature, that in the dying of the ego nature we may resurrect and rebuild a temple not made with human hands. I transport you back to modern time and you've just lost everything you own, including your motor car, which is a very powerful archetype. All you've got is the clothes you're standing in and you certainly don't have enough money in the bank to resurrect your circumstances and you don't know where you're going to sleep that night either. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Oh my listeners, I do pray that you can understand that this modern Galilean scenario comes again and again and again in people's lives and in the lives of various nations and cultures and so on and so forth to teach us about the ephemeral nature or the phenomenal nature of life in the physical octave, that the real temple, the real cathedral of the heart is divine and not physical. We are so blinded by physicality that we must have it physically in front of us or we won't believe it. But I will challenge every one of you and tell you that believing is seeing because my entire life has been made up out of the belief that manifested before me in the form of Christ himself and other great ascended beings that no matter what life throws at you in the physical world, in the physical realm, the physical octave you can rebuild very quickly if you are founded in Christ 
the term in Christianity that Christ was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the Lamb being absolute innocence, the innocence of the divine heart of God, was slain from the world. What is the world? Gross materiality. So you don't have the foundation in Christ anymore because it's been slain, it's been taken. Okay, so then what do you have to do? You have to find that Christ within yourself. You have to find that lamb within the lion of your consciousness. And the word lion means the light of the I am that I am. The lion of Judah is the light of the I am that I am in the house of Judah, which is the house of Jesus Christ. So you have to understand that if you want to be the lion in your own domain, as my dear brother-in-law has stated he is indeed, and he is, then you have to be the light of the I am that I am where you stand. Therefore, if you are the lion in the house of Christ, doesn't matter what life offers you, can take nothing from you. Nothing can be taken from you. And there are those really amazing stories here and there all over the world of people who have been stripped down, not once, but severally, and they've just rebuilt their lives again and again and again. And they still come up with loads of money again and again. Why? Why? How, how is it that people manage that? Because just maybe not all people who are very wealthy are dark and evil. They are not. We are meant to live a life of abundance. It depends on what you do with your abundance that's very important. The intrinsic um, import of money is not evil. It's what you do with money that can be evil. You see. The, the need for, for, for being able to use a television screen, an internet screen, is not evil. It's what you're looking at that's in the screen. They can become tremendous teaching tools, especially for people who are semi-illiterate and need to learn and can't go to school. They are, they, these, this is where these things are redeemed, Ralph. So at the end of the day, my, my blessing I would give, I bless it from my heart and from the great ascended masters whom I serve and the Christ consciousness whom I serve eternally is that your foundation in these modern times looks pretty scary. Therefore, you ought to change it. You ought to translate the base metal of your living into gold. Don't wait for the gold from out of the Vatican. You'll never get any of it, not in this life anyway. So the gold you're really looking for is not in your bank, my beloved. The gold you're looking for is in your consciousness. And the pot of gold, interestingly enough, beloved Ralph, at the end of the rainbow, really the rainbow signifies your causal body, the great causal ring of Almighty God, the great causal body around your I Am Presence. And the pot of gold at the end of that rainbow is Christ consciousness because all the good you've ever done all the good you've ever collected in any life of the hundreds and thousands you've had is stored in your causal body god stated clearly and i shall wipe away all your tears so that when you ascend you will realize the truth of what has really happened because jesus said you lose nothing you lose nothing so therefore i am the part of gold and i am is another word for god in me is God in me is the pot of gold at the end of my rainbow or at the end of the causal body of my attainment. If your attainment is in Christ, if your foundation is in Christ, they can blow your house up for all you mean, but you will still be all right. doesn't mean you will not suffer loss and be affected by it and so on and so forth. Yes, you will. You'll have to find somewhere else to live and you'll have to start all over again like Millie Rapa had to. Okay, and in these modern times where all the money has been usurped, it's very difficult, isn't it, in these 
insurance companies that are all nothing other but con artistry and are linked to these dreadful banking systems because they never pay you out properly ever. What they say they do, there's this disintegration again, they never do. And at the end of the day, the amount of money you have to bring up to equal what they call a shortfall is nothing other than a con because they don't pay you out properly. So what are they insuring you against? Absolutely nothing. In fact, insurance is nothing other than a term of making sure they get out of you what they need, plus your misery on top of it. So they're making you pay for your own misery at the end of the day. That's what insurance really is, to make you pay twice for your karma. It's quite a thing. So I would just suggest to you and say to you from my heart, found yourself in Christ. People want to rush out there and start all these new age organizations. And I please, I don't knock anybody. They want to go and open up a, a school of light of this and that and this and that and so on. And if it's got yoga and it's got all sorts of teachings of maybe the great Mahatma Babaji or things like that. Well, you know, Babaji's not going to arrive in your school. And neither is the Ascended Masters unless you're founded in Christ for a start. So the principle of your consciousness must be found in the true divine gold, which is the universal Christ awareness. And then, as Jesus said, the Father taught him to tell us, Get ye first the kingdom of God, and then all else shall be added unto you. The kingdom means consciousness. Consciousness is Christ. Get ye first the consciousness of Christ, then you will have everything, because Christ is everything. And then you won't need to panic and rush out and enter into all modes of greed and discrepancies and heaven knows what else to get what you want. Jesus put it in another way as well. He said, with all thy getting, get wisdom. So I leave that with you and I ask you, please, I am not sitting in any state of scorn. I am involved in counseling people that come from very, very deep circumstances in their life from life bereavement from death, divorce, and all sorts of things. I have been involved in counseling people all over the world for over 35 years. I am truly, truly measurably steeped in compassion, but I do tire a little bit sometimes when people still refuse to understand that the component to their happiness is the Christ consciousness. They want to carry both water and mammon on their shoulders. In other words, you want to serve your own principles in the ego, but you also want to serve God at the same time. You cannot have both. You can't have Christ and have the world. Jesus said you can be in the world, but not of it. So it's entirely up to you. If you want to end your misery, no matter how humble your circumstances might be now, by changing, as the late great Dr. Wayne Dyer said, the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. So he was steeped in his Christ consciousness because he knew in the epiphanies he had, I have read and have all his books and his biography, he was a very great soul. And let me tell you something now. If you look at your life through Christ consciousness, your whole view of life will change. And where you see only half a glass of water, you will find that it's actually half full and not half empty. And that is the difference between the ego that says, why is there only half a glass of water there? I'm thirsty. And the Christ at once says, oh, thank God, this, this, it's half full. There's, there's water there. Let me drink it. Because we are humble in what Christ offers us. So I bless and pray everyone 
receives these blessings of the Christ himself. I in myself am the nothing, and the Christ is the all in all. I do not in myself bless you, yet the Christ comes through my humble heart and hand to bless you in his glorious name, that you may in some part receive some of the teachings he imparted to you this morning through my own heart. I wish you all a very good week. Thank you so much, Anna Karima, for appearing on your talk show here on Blue Lotus Radio. And I also, with Anna Karima, wish you a wonderful uh, day and week ahead. And uh, I, uh, I thank you all for supporting Blue Lotus Radio. i